Views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Welcome to this broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio. Tonight's date, it is January the 26th, 2020, as we come to you across the Black Talk Radio airways. My name, of course, is Scotty Reed. I'm the host of this program. I actually founded uh, this particular program slash podcast in 2012 as a way to bring awareness to the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, because contrary to public opinion and really that's what we got to call it and misinformation especially through the education system the united states of america incorporated has never and i repeat never abolished slavery in this country it just transformed from one form of slavery to another form of slavery which i have taken to calling today prison slavery in the context of the 13th amendment if you've never read the 13th amendment don't feel bad lots of u.s citizens who went through um whether it be private school or public school did not read the 13th amendment as part of their history class there were no plays no performances nothing pointing to the fact that the 13th amendment um, or just teaching you the text of the 13th Amendment. and But when I read it in my, what, mid-40s, uh, how long was 2012? What, eight years ago? So I was, yeah, in my early 40s, eight years ago. Um, and no, when I read the 13th Amendment, it became clear to me that you cannot abolish something and then make an exception for it, which means that you can't do this no more except under these conditions okay so logic tells me then that you haven't completely abolished the practice you just transformed it from one form to another form in the case of the United States from plantation slavery and I use that metaphorically because they were uh victims of slavery were on more than just plantations picking cotton and other you know agricultural products but they worked in mines Um, they worked in a a lot of dangerous industries whether it's clearing roads, cutting down trees, all types of labor okay but when when I say plantation slavery I'm referring to the period of slavery in the United States prior to the passage or ratification of the 13th Amendment. So that's the basis of this program. If you've never heard this be, heard this program before, that is what we center um, our topics around. And tonight, I, I think I got some pretty interesting topics and, you know, really it's just an open forum tonight. I said last week that we were going to bring back new abolitionist radio live broadcasts but do it like on Sundays at 5 o'clock, trying to, 
you know, help out some of the other part-time co-hosts um, who don't have a whole lot of time during the week. So I'm like, well, let's launch it on Sunday and then y'all alternate weeks um, coming on. And so really tonight is just a, a open forum. Um, I had overslept because, well, I'm not going to say I overslept. I didn't get to sleep till it was daylight outside. Because of, um, you know, the injury that many of you who know me, I've, I've long talked about the nagging injury to my back and the flare up I had recently. And I've just been unable, you know, to get comfortable enough to, to sleep, you know, until my body just goes to sleep. And, and, and usually that's when it's, the sun is coming up outside. So I didn't even wake up to like 4.30, so I was like, man, we ain't even, really, we don't have a guest schedule, um, but I do want to, it is important that we do new abolitionist radio, so I think 9 o'clock will work out better for me, okay, 9 o'clock, um, not coming on right before Time for Awakening, who, you know, that program uh, was the reason that we kind of started late, but tonight, but come on after them. Come on after them and uh, Elliot to get in the habit of, you know, making sure to shut down the uh, broadcasting software so I can log in. So nine o'clock, I think, will work better for me on, on, on Sunday nights. So tonight, what I want to talk about is I posted on Black Talk Radio Network. And if I can pull that up. But in general, I'm talking about this is an extension. Let's just call it an extension of last week's program where I talked about we have a unique moment in history to actually abolish slavery in this country. And I don't see a whole lot of people getting excited about that opportunity. I mean, this, I was thinking tonight, this uh, opportunity to get rid of prison slavery, this is probably the first time we've had to make, to impact or abolish slavery in any form but especially the legalized form of prison slavery, no time since the 13th Amendment has been passed have we had an opportunity. Now, early on, when we first started doing, well, I shouldn't say early on, I mean, we were on air for, we've been on air for a very long time, but sometime during that period of us being on air, we talked about the need to amend the 13th Amendment. But then I got more educated and found out you can't amend 13. You can't amend an amendment. You can't do that. What you have to do is repeal that amendment and replace it with another one that has the proper language that you would want to see that if, if I can just from memory quote the 13th Amendment instead of it saying uh, slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished except as punishment for crime whereof a party has been duly convicted. It will just, We will get rid of that one. We will have to repeal the 13th Amendment and then come up with a new amendment. So we're talking about, you know, a long process, um, a complicated process in terms of U.S. politics and how they work. That's not to even mention that you got to have a constitutional convention, which some conservatives slash libertarians are working on, as we reported on this on this program over the years, that they only need a few more states. 
in order to have a constitutional convention where they could go in there and change the convention. And will we have a delegation in there to put the 13th Amendment on the table that should say slavery and involuntary servitude is abolished in the United States and all its territories and, you know, the rest of the language, wherever they have, have jurisdiction. No, except if you, except for a person who's been duly convicted, no exceptions. So that's an extremely long and complicated process that will require some money, some money that as a movement, we don't have. You know, we don't have an official organization, 501c3 or state nonprofit for New Abolitionist Radio or the Abolitionist Movement. But what we are is a coalition of organizations who are on our own doing individual things. And in the case of the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March on Washington, D.C. a few years ago, you know, we come together for those type of actions. But in terms of having a central organization that's collecting money that, you know, then as some of these organizations do dispense that, that funding to to other organizations part of the coalition or to create a 501 or what they call it 50 um it's a political action committee right now i'm drawing a blank on what they call it um but it's what you hear about these super PACs and and where they just advocate for a candidate or just put out campaign ads on an issue that's on the ballot Okay, we don't have that kind of cash. We don't have that kind of cash to force us our way into a constitutional convention if they do, if that does happen in in a few years. But what if I told you that we don't have to go through all that? That there is a shortcut to abolishing prison slavery? And what if I told you I identified that pathway through one candidate's a proposal in their platform, part of their criminal justice uh, and so-called reform reform um, initiatives. There's only one person, one person who has such a bold, transformative set of policies that they don't even need Congress because we, you know, we often hear, well, Obama didn't do this because he had a Republican Congress and so they wouldn't work with him to pass nothing so he couldn't get nothing done. But in the area of prison slavery, the executive branch controls the Federal Bureau of Prisons. They also control federal money that goes down to the localized cities and jails, city, uh, city jails, county jails, and state prisons. A lot of them are operating off of grants from the federal government. Don't don't believe me. Now, Joe, I was going to say ask Joe Biden, but, you know, he he lies a lot. So he's not going to be truthful. But you do your research on Joe Biden's crime bill. You do your research on uh, the acronym is COPS, but I think it's a community oriented uh, policing, municipal policing, or something like that. Community-oriented policing. Cops. Joe Biden is the one that provided all that federal money to put all these slave catchers on the street. No disrespect 
to officers who are out there because as little children, they fail, you know, they were taught that police officers stand for good. They protect us from criminals. And I'm not going to sit up here and say to you that those people don't exist within the force, but they are not a majority. They are a very, very small minority. And probably some of them get so frustrated. That's why police are the number one occupation where people who work in that occupation commit suicide. Not to mention homicide. That, that you know, that's a whole nother set of issue. But the majority, these people were put in place to expand prison slavery in the United States. The record is clear. Joe Biden's record is clear on that. But what if I told you, though, that you got a choice in a presidential race other than Joe Biden that has a plan to abolish prison slavery? What if I told you that? And you don't even got to change the 13th Amendment. Now, again, this is kind of an extension of last week's program where we talked about Bernie Sanders' groundbreaking Prisoner Bill of Rights. I'm 99% sure that no presidential candidate in the history of the United States has ever come up and made part of their platform, part of their agenda, if they become president, this thing called a Prisoner Bill of Rights. Then he doesn't need the Congress to pass anything. Okay, he doesn't need Congress to end solitary confinement, which is a form of torture. And and also, if you want to look at it from a U.S. citizen's rights standpoint, it's unconstitutional. The Prisoner Bill of Rights does that. He doesn't need to consult Congress and get them to pass legislation or argue you know, somebody introduce a bill, argue the bill, take a vote on the bill after it go through committee. I mean, you got to jump through so many hoops in Congress. I don't think a lot of us understand, you know, it's simple, but then again, it's not. It's not simple because you got to meet with people. You got to get support from other senators in his case, or if you're in the house from other representatives, it's, it's a whole lot of networking and going, but in terms of this prisoner bill of rights, the president of the United States has sole power over the executive branch of the U.S. government. He doesn't need to consult with anyone on ending solitary confinement in federal prisons. He doesn't need to consult with Congress to dictate to states that if you want some grant money that you've been getting through Biden's bill, uh, a cop's bill, or criminal crime bill, or crime the crime bill. I'm talking about criminal crime bill. Y'all excuse me. I'm out of practice. But if they want those block grants for criminal justice, then they have to abolish slavery too. I mean, excuse me, solitary confinement in the local jail and in the state prison. That's the power of the executive branch. People say that the president is the most powerful person. The U.S. president is the most powerful person on the planet. That's why I don't buy into, well, Obama, the Republicans wouldn't let Obama do this, that, or the other. You know, access 
to free education and vocational training, including an end to Biden's ban on Pell Grants for all incarcerated people without any exceptions. So you don't, you don't, you don't educate a slave. You don't give them education opportunities. In fact, uh, during plantation, the plantation period, it was illegal for even slaves or free black people to even read in some states. But here, here's the real thing, though. Here's the real kicker. Again, he doesn't need Congress. Living wages, you know, setting the standard for living wages and safe working conditions, including maximum work hours for all incarcerated people for their labor. Do slaves get paid? Yes, they do. They get paid what, though? They get paid slave wages. That's when you out there in California fighting all them fires for a dollar an hour. Of course, they're going to give you some, what would we call it, some butter biscuits and, and, and some privileges to where you don't got to live in the, in the moldy prison, the overcrowded prison. We don't let you live outdoors in this barbed wire camp with guards all around you in tents. And then your family can even get extra visitation with you as long as you fight them fires. If you survive, you know, you don't get killed like some of them have been killed. Or doing call center work as Bloomberg, was it Bloomberg? Yeah, Bloomberg, who's running for president, Mike Bloomberg, just got busted paying a corporation that was utilizing prisoners to make phone calls to voters to get them to vote for Bloomberg. You know, read the script. Got prisoners doing that. Now, Bloomberg claimed he didn't know when they ended the contract once, I think it was The Intercept who broke that story once that was reported. But again, my point is you don't pay slaves and you definitely don't give slaves the right to vote. In this Prisoner Bill of Rights, one of the highlights is the right to vote. All voting age Americans must have the right and meaningful access to vote, whether they are incarcerated or not. Period. We're going to stop right there. We're going to stop right there. No exceptions unless they committed murder or was convicted because everybody in there isn't guilty. But unless they was convicted of murder or rape or if they was a mass shooter, you, you know how the mainstream media starts talking about the Boston Marathon bomber, they go to the ridiculous extreme. But we know that the prisons ain't full of, um, what are they, Ukrainian? I don't know if he was from Ukraine or not. I think they might have been, but these, let's call them European immigrants who came over here and was convicted of bombing the Boston Marathon. They bring up that guy. That's not the majority of people in prison, is it? The majority of people in prison is, number one, U.S. citizens. Number two, when we break down the classifications in a racist nation, it's black people. Number three, it's Latinos. No, well, I would, if we want to talk about really disproportionate targeting or overrepresentation, Native Americans would be number one, but their their population is so minor, but you know, but according to disproportionality statistics, they would be the number one. But we know in terms of just sheer body count that those bodies are black. 
But there's a reason for every, you don't have to be a certain skin color to be against slavery. So, you know, I just feel like it's not that I want to rehash last week's program, but I do, I should talk about this as much as possible. Again, this is a historic proposition, this prison, this thing called prisoner bill of rights. Never before, no other candidate comes close of talking about effectively ending slavery, prison slavery. Okay? And, and can use the power of the federal government in its purse strings of the executive branch and penalize or incentivize states to do the same, to implement these same things. That's how it works. That's how the executive branch works and how Washington, D.C. influences what goes on in the rest of the nation, okay? But the reason that, that I, I really wanted to focus on this is because, yet again, it appears the DNC, for those that don't know what that means, that's the corporation called the Democratic National Committee which is in charge of the debates and picking a nominee of these people that are, 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 are labeled as Democrats, registered as Democrats and running in the Democratic primary. And right now, uh, we really only need to talk about is the two front runners. That's Joe Biden, the father, one of the fathers of mass incarceration. We definitely can call him the author of the bills. And then, and then, Bernie Sanders. Those are the two top candidates. Right now, as as we head into um, the voting season, they'll be voting in, where is that? Uh, Iowa here next Monday. Not next Monday, but within a couple of weeks. Y'all excuse me, I'm having some... Black Talk Radio, your choice for digital black radio. Here. New black media for the new millennium. Well, we actually uh, are coming up on a break, but listen, I'm interested in hearing y'all thoughts. Give us a, a call at 704-802-5056, 704-802-5056. I also check our chat, chat line at uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. But before we hit the break in three minutes and I check the phone lines, the DNC is stacking let me pull up this article which comes to you from commondreams.org now y'all may have heard some of these reports about Obama reportedly saying through other people um, being reported in the press saying that if Bernie Sanders looks like he has a real shot at getting the nomination that he's going to have to stop him I mean I don't even want to go off on, on onto that line of why would Obama want to stop a Bernie uh, uh, Bernie Sanders presidency, okay? But there's an article called the Who a Who's Who of People Against Progressive Agenda. The DNC's Perez is under fire for convention committee picks. Um, it's some interesting information in here. Now, you can access this information. I, I believe I've shared it on the different social media platforms we're part of. I found it on Facebook. Somebody shared it, and I came across it. Um, but it is in our BTR community uh, for the New Abolitionist Radio uh, open forum and discussion. Um, 
thread that has been uh, created. And you can find links to everything I, I talk about here. BTR Community, of course, is our private social media platform. Um, it's $24 a year subscription. And we actually are in the midst, just kicked off a membership drive, trying to get 2,000 members um, before 2021. Okay. So, but that article, which you can find linked up there. Um, it's saying progressives raised the alarm this weekend after the DNC chair, Tom Perez, released his picks for the 2020 Democratic National Convention committees. Now, I don't know if there's going to be any voting on this or as the chairman, he just gets to appoint all of these people to the Democratic National Convention, which is where they pick the nominee or, or it's official, you know, um, in the list of nominees, the Sunrise Movement political director Evan Weber said on Sunday, it looks like a who's who of people explicitly opposed to a progressive agenda. Now, we can talk about Medicaid, Medicare for all. We could talk about housing for all. We could talk about college for all. But this is new abolitionist radio. So part of that progressive agenda is ending prison slavery. Okay? Ending prison slavery. And and what I'll get to on the other on the backside of this hour-long broadcast is the reparations that Sanders platform is offering through marijuana legalization or cannabis legalization as I call it okay but they are against these things and one of the black persons on here uh, Bakari Sellers who's out of South Carolina and, and you know it's a shame though how far the apple often falls from a tree when you got a, form, a former state representative Bakari Sellers a black, his father, some have told me that his father is the one who coined the black power phrase. And now this dude is straight, straight out, sold out to the, they actually call him Bakari Sellout. But his name is Bakari Sellers. And in this article, I found out that he sits on the Nation, National Council of the American Israel Public Affairs Committee, also known as APAC, which is over there slaughtering Palestinians and, and starting stuff in Syria, attacking people in Syria, um, pushing Trump, trying to push Trump into getting us into yet another war, this time with Iran, as if, you know, the proxy wars ain't, ain't been enough, but he's on, he's been selected. Here's what it, what the, what the article writer says, or the author says Sellers drafted a letter and spearheaded the effort in 2016 to ensure the DNC platform did not adopt language Bernie Sanders supported, which would have acknowledged the responsibility to confront humanitarian crisis facing Palestinians in Gaza. Okay? So he, he's been placed on the list is how they call it. He was also he was also a Clinton um Surrogate Bakari Sellers, you know, they talk about black South Carolina votes so much, and I don't know if he's declared or not, but I, I undoubtedly believe he riding with Biden, okay, riding with Biden. But this guy was the one 
who who you know sits up on MSNBC or CNN, whichever one of the gigs that he has been rewarded with for being Bakari's sellout. He sat up there when Hillary Clinton said that Tulsi Gabbard was a Russian asset and called Jill Stein a Russian asset with no basis in fact whatsoever. But again, we got fake news as Donald Trump likes to call it. And Bakari Sellers called her a Russian asset on air. That's who, that's who, this is the type of people that the non-white showcase uh, what's his name? Perez. I forget his first name. Tom Perez. Because he's quote unquote Hispanic. He's releasing his picks for the 2020 Democratic National Convention committees. Okay. So that's why they, I, that is why I ride so hard for Sanders. It's not so much as me riding for Sanders or anyone else out there riding for Sanders. It's riding for the platform. It's riding for the policies. He ain't the only one that come up with these policies now. You got Sister Nina Turner. You got other people. uh, AOC, Ilhan Omar, who have co-introduced legislation with Sanders. It's about the policy. It's not about the person. As Bernie Sanders, you know, his campaign slogan is not me, us. Compare that to Hillary Clinton's slogan. I'm with her. She was all about her. It wasn't about us. It was about her. Okay. So, so that's why I feel like, cause nobody else in the media is, is even bringing up the prisoners bill of rights now. I don't get to watch me, uh, mainstream media 24-7. I don't get to listen to the radio. Not that I want to 24-7, you know, because I try, you know, outside of needing to write an article or form an opinion on something, I don't sit up and watch CNN and MSNBC. I don't get up early Saturday morning or Sunday morning to watch Joy Reid or Al Sharpton. Okay. But this is, you know, they not talking about it. Now, if I'm wrong, y'all can call in and say, hey, you wrong, Scotty. I saw Al Sharpton last week. He was he had on a panel of guests to talk about Sanders' prison bill of rights. And, you know, they, they put it in historical terms that I heard you put it in. No, y'all ain't seeing nothing like that. This should be, instead of people out there talking about, no, I'm not going to say instead of, but in addition to you out here talking about reparations for what happened to some of our ancestors, what, three generations ago, but you don't care nothing or you don't say nothing about prison slavery. Sure, you'll complain about it on social media whenever, you know, a statistic comes out in the article about how we all locked up in prison in the criminal justice, but then when it comes down to some concrete, some concrete proposals in plain English, easy to understand, what's hard to understand by all prisoners, a federal prisoners getting the right to vote? What's hard to understand about prisoners being counted in the communities they lived in, which probably would be like their parents' address 
or their their wife's address or their husband's address, wherever they was living when they was arrested. If that's where they had roots in that community, then they're being counted in the 2020 census in that community. It's too late now for this census, but what about going forward? And how political power is apportioned based on the county population count. I mean, it's just like doing pre uh, plantation slavery with the counting the slaves without them having any kind of rights. Same thing here, happening in modern times. We this this should be on your mind. In addition to asking for reparations, you should be asking for an end of slavery. In fact, some would say without ending slavery, first you putting the cart before the horse. But I'm of the opinion we can walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. But I'm I'm just not seeing. I'm not seeing it from the mainstream media. And most disappointedly, I'm not seeing it from social media. I expect the mainstream media not to cover this. But social media, YouTubers, Facebookers, Twitter people, y'all not, I'm not hearing what I should be hearing in terms of this historic prisoner bill of rights. So I'm going to take this station identification. I'll check the phone lines, chat room, see if y'all got any comments Um, because we will be going off air here at at the top of the hour. But I'm going to get into, on the other side, the reparations that's being offered, not not for plantation slavery prior to 1865, but pertaining to people who've been in modern-day prison slavery because of a marijuana felony conviction. Reparations that even include land. You would think people be talking about this, but they not. They not, cause they don't read. They not reading, reading this man's platform. And since they not hearing it from the mainstream media, then it's like it don't exist. But we'll be back on the other side of this short break. You are tuned in to the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. And welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio on this Sunday night. 
Telephone number 704-802-5056. Hit the star key twice, I believe. If uh, you want to unmute yourself, I'll, I'll be watching the board. And I will get your questions or your comments because I definitely invite questions about what I think about it. Anything related to politics as it pertains to prison slavery, which is the focus of this, this program. But, you know, to close out the first half of the podcast, Sanders Prisoner, Bill of Rights, um, it represents a rare moment in, in U.S. history. I, I don't think anybody can deny that. Where there is an actual shot to eliminate prison slavery at the federal level and then influence through the executive branch of the U.S. government to influence, penalize, and or incentivize states to do the same. Again, this is one of the many reasons the DNC corporate puppets are so fervently against the Sanders administration, but the least talked about on social media. Social media is the people. Even though they do try to control and censor you on social media, we don't, you know, try, try to do that as long as you speaking within reason, not threatening nobody, you know what I'm saying? But they, they I, I was just hearing from a prison, uh, a prison, prisoner, uh, slavery advocate, that don't even sound right. Um, victims of prison slavery, um, a person who advocates for them, was saying how she just got banned or her video, which comes from the inside, she posted to YouTube, YouTube gonna take it down, talking about it's too violent. It's too violent, really? With all the graphic de depictations of graphic violence on television, in the movies, just in U.S. culture, period, celebrates violence. And then, you know, when you look at these violent video games and that's all being streamed on YouTube, but you're going to take down a video from inside the prison showing some violence because you say it's too graphic or it's too violent or what have you. No, what you want to do is hide the violence behind the walls, behind the prison walls. Okay? But, I mean, we gotta know that just cause somebody say they a, a Democrat or a Republican or a Green Party member or whatever, man, it's all about the policy. As they say, you know, the devil is in the details. You gotta pay attention. Who's backing these people financially? Who's donating to their campaigns? What do they have to gain? You know? I'm hearing these Obama administration officials coming out talking about Bernie Sanders is a danger and, and Obama was about incrementalism. Well, we definitely know he was about that. Again, he could have made it, he could have enacted a prisoner bill of rights for the executive branch. He's going to wait till the last two months of his second term to say we're no longer going to use private prisons. No more private prison contracts. Private prison stock market uh, crashes for private prison companies. Almost put them out of business within 48 hours. But then, you know, they just held on till Donald Trump was president because he was running on uh, investing in private prisons. So they are against, you know, these people are pro-slavery. There's no other way 
you know, to put it. So that's this is what this is about. Keeping slavery in place and a boot on our neck. Now, before I, before I talk about the reparations in this marijuana legalization plan of Bernie Sanders, you know, I come across African Americans. Now, the new abolitionist movement that has, I think, emerged around this program, we are multicultural. We are multiracial. We uh, um, are Muslims, Christians, Jews. I mean, if you was able to attend the Millions for Prisoners Human Rights March and saw not just the speakers, the keynotes, not the keynote speaker, but that was Max Parthas, um, but some of the other speakers from some of the other organizations out there raising awareness and, and fighting, you know, the fight against prison slavery. But the crowd, though, the crowd, and there was hundreds of them, young, gray-haired old people like me. No, I ain't old. I'm just 53. But, I mean, we had some senior citizens out there. Albert Wood Fox just got out of prison, being held in solitary confinement for 40 years. He was there. So he elderly, former, you know, Black Panther. But it was college students out there, white, black, Polynesian, Asian. But there is, there is an effort. I'll let them speak to what they see in their community. But what I see among the people that I'm connected to the most, I'm seeing an effort to suppress African-American votes for Sanders in his primary. I mean, it's just absurd to me that a black person would even consider Joe Biden, who has the, you know, seems to have the support. So they say, y'all, we can't believe everything that these polls say. Sometimes these polls get it wrong, but we keep hearing the boomers in South Carolina, the black boomers, the elderly are riding with Biden for stupid reasons, they say, you know, because Obama trusted him. Well, what did Obama exactly trust him to do? Well, why did Obama pick him? Well, Obama picked him because he had a rapport and relationship with racist white Republicans over his 30 years. And Obama thought that he could help him be a bridge to the Republicans to pass some stuff. That's why, that's why what Obama trusted him to do. So, you know, we get caught up in these catchphrases he was good enough for Obama. He's good enough for me. Well, Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't know how to say. I don't know what to say to somebody operating on such ill logic without being offensive. Just shake my head in shame or something? I don't know. But there is an effort to suppress an Af- African-American vote specifically for Sanders. Because there are no more quote-unquote African-American candidates in the race. It's, it's down to Biden and Sanders. So this is a talking point, something I call talking point memos. A talking point memo is like a, a, a memo that went out to a bunch of people to use certain talking points, especially you'll see it in mainstream media, but you'll see it on social media too. 
And a talking point is Sanders doesn't support reparations. And again, we're going to get into the reparations that's built into his platform as it relates to criminal justice issues. But we're talking about pre-1865 slavery. Well, really, it shouldn't just be focused on plantation slavery, but the terrorism that followed after the 13th Amendment, the continued slavery through convict leasing to what we call now prison slavery, and all the all the other forms of institutional racism and discriminations. That's what reparations is about. Those things. So we keep hearing from them. Sanders doesn't support reparations or the latest, I'm just gonna call it what it is, bird brain scheme to say, well, I'm not I'm not telling African Americans not to vote. I'm telling African Americans don't vote for a president. Okay? I'm sorry, I had a little disruption here in, in the studio. Um, but where where was I? Where was I saying? Yeah, uh, you know, saying that we shouldn't vote for president. Just go, just go stand in line at the ballot. I mean, excuse me, at the poll. And then when you get your ballot, just leave President blank. That's stupid. Why even go at all? Why even go? Well, we can vote for the U.S. senator or we can vote for U.S. representatives. And then they having the mayor, you know, our, our county judges. And those are good reasons. But why would you leave that blank? Especially when you could possibly have a candidate that gives you a path towards ending slavery. See, you want reparations for slavery, some of us. So I'm talking to a certain group of people. You want reparations for slavery that happened to your great-great-grandma. But you don't even want to end the continuation of slavery through the prisons where, where you know your, your probably one of your parents was locked up in prison. Or maybe your brother or your sister. You see what I'm saying? And, and it just continues on and continues on. Several members of our family caught up in prison slavery at one time or another. And we don't we don't care nothing about that. See, that tells me that you are a selfish, self-centered person. You just looking for some dollars so that you can improve your life and ain't nothing wrong with that, but HR 40 is further down the road. But in, instead of you supporting a candidate that wants to end prison slavery today, you want to put out a lie saying that he doesn't support reparations for quote unquote black people. Or I've seen the other iteration, ADOS, or the other iteration, African Americans. And that's a lie. Tell me this. Use logic, people. If Sanders didn't want, quote unquote, black people to give reparations, he would not have promised to sign H.R. 40 into law when he becomes president. I'm not even going to say if he becomes president. I'm going to speak truth to power and, and make what I speak come into existence. And I hope you'll join me in that. But when he's president, he's going to sign H.R. 40 into law. Why would he say that if, if he didn't want you to get reparations? 
He would just say what he said years ago before he got educated on the issue and, and, and said, well, I don't support it because there's no su political support in Washington, D.C. You're not going to get enough people to co-sponsor it or vote for it. See, they don't put, put his saying, I don't support reparations into context. They put it in a context like, oh, he just straight up against it. No, he was saying years ago that there was no political support. Well, guess what? Now there is, and he's changed his mind. You got over 100 co-sponsors of the House version of the Reparations uh, Study Commission, which comes up with the policies uh, or proposals for reparations, the packages, reparation packages, we'll call it, in the House. And then why would he become one of only 12 out of 60 senators, only one out of 12, to co-sponsor the reparations bill in the Senate? Why? That, that doesn't compute logically. If I'm against reparations, I'm just going to simply say he could take the politically safe choice, but although it wouldn't apply now with you know more co-sponsors than he's ever had in the histories of being reintroduced and reintroduced for 20-something years by, by John Conyers, but he could have said, well, I don't think there's any political support. He could give you the Obama answer. Whatever Obama told you why he don't support reparations. But he is co-sponsoring Cory Booker's bill that's in the Senate. A person that's against reparations is not going to do that. And then issue a statement when asked why he co-sponsored the reparations bill in the Senate. And he says, for centuries, America's economic rise relied on treating millions of black people as literal property. We have still not come to terms with the horrors of legalized slavery and its continuing impacts on our society. I am proud to co-sponsor the H.R. 40 Commission to study and develop reparation proposals for African Americans at, the name of it is, the Senate version is H.R. 40 Commission to study and develop. That's the, see, that's the key phrase right there. You ain't, I'm like, man, I, Scotty. Be patient. Everybody don't have the same level of reading comprehension as others. And so they don't understand what developed reparation proposals mean. A commission to study don't mean that, oh, we just going to do, you know, we going to study history. No, what they mean is gather evidence and enter it into the official record. Like Tulsa, Oklahoma. If it's going to include, if it's going to include reparations for white terrorism or Rosewood, these are things, you know, that you enter into the record via press reports or via books or whatever, you know, with the proper documentation. Okay. But he, so to say that he doesn't support reparations when he's co-sponsoring a commission to study and develop, then come up when we just do the study on the harm it's caused African Americans and it's still harming them to this day. Then we're going to develop reparation proposals for African Americans. That's the name of it. HR 40 Commission to Study and Develop Reparation Proposals for African Americans Act. 
to finally bring the truth about slavery into the open, said Senator Sanders. But guess what? You could even say when you talk about repairing, reparations means to repair. Okay, I would even classify the Prisoner Bill of Rights as a reparations uh, set of proposals. I really would. But again, we do have people who commit crime. And even though they committed these crimes due to poverty, due to racism, you know, those two are connected in homelessness and it drives them to steal something or to rob somebody and they end up in there, they still should have human rights. They still should have human rights. Or else it's slavery if they don't have no human rights. The Prisoner Bill of Rights gives them them human rights. Okay? So, you know, I... Some people, though, I try to engage with them in a respectful manner, but then they start acting dumb and childlike, and they just believe the BS of these gatekeepers without using logic. I mean, again, use logic. A person who doesn't support reparations doesn't sponsor a bill to officially create a reparations commission to consider the harm and come up with reparations proposals. Okay? Now, let's get to a different set of reparation proposals that Sanders is supporting right now. It's not for pre-1865 plantation slavery. It's not for the period known as Jim Crow, where there was still, you know, prison slavery as opposed to plantation slavery. Terrorism discrimination, institutional, you know, all this stuff, institutionalized. But no, this is specifically reparations for those most impacted by the drug war, which we know and have, have you know, read the quote of Nixon, Tricky Dick Nixon, the former president who resigned as president, who, who said he was starting a drug war, told his chief of staff to target hippies and black people to get rid of them. I don't, you know, I'm drawing a blank on the exact quote, but it's out there. Now, it doesn't provide reparations for people that's been convicted of selling crack or, you know, pounds of cocaine or anything like that. But it does pay reparations for those who have been convicted of cannabis trafficking selling or possession. So, I, I, you know, you can go to his website. I linked it up in btrcommunity.com, berniesanders.com, issues, legalizing marijuana. Here is the reparations for them, for those communities. Ensure that revenue from legal marijuana is reinvested in communities hit hardest by the war on drugs, especially African-American and other communities of color. With new tax resources from legal marijuana sales, we will can create a $20 billion grant program within the Minority Business Development Agency to provide grants to entrepreneurs of color who continue to face discrimination and access to capital. That's reparations for those, for those uh, people who fall under this classification. 
With this revenue, we will also create a $10 billion grant program to focus on businesses that are at least 51% owned or controlled by those in disproportionately impacted areas or individuals who have been arrested for, well, it doesn't even say you have to be convicted. If you were just arrested, arrested for or convicted of marijuana offenses, provide formerly incarcerated individuals with training and resources needed to start their own businesses and worker-owned businesses and guaranteed jobs and free job training at trade schools and apprenticeship programs related to marijuana businesses. In states like Vermont, Pennsylvania, and Ohio, employee ownership centers promote worker ownership and provide valuable technical support for businesses and workers. We will expand on this success and create employee ownership centers across the country and expand existing organizations. These employee ownership centers will work in coordination with the Minority Business Development Agency grant program to provide the training and technical support needed to formerly incarcerated individuals and people in areas disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs to start worker-owned businesses and cooperatives. Now, for those that say that we need black businesses, here here is, I mean, how much did they give give, uh, victims of slavery when they got the news that the Emancipation Proclamation, how much money was provided to them people? You know, because we have some of these pro-black segregationists, pro-segregationist black people talking about, oh, that was a great time for black people. We were so wealthy, man. We had our own businesses. We had our own everything, which is a lie. Some of them had everything they needed while the masses of us was out here homeless, not knowing what we was going to do, being preyed upon and re-enslaved. Okay. Use revenue, let me continue. This, this is money. This is reparations. Use revenue from marijuana sales to establish a targeted 10 billion USDA grant program to help disproportionately impacted areas and individuals who have been arrested for or convicted of marijuana offenses start urban and rural farms in urban and rural marijuana growing operations to ensure people impacted by the war on drugs have access to the entire marijuana industry. Here is some here is some um, bullet points on that. It's even talking about land. Use re- uh, these grants will be used for design, technical assistance, purchasing equipment, installing infrastructure, and more. We will help disproportionately impact the areas and individuals who have been arrested for or convicted of marijuana offenses get fair access to land and resources through the disadvantage and beginning farm state coordinator program. You tell me any other candidate in the, uh, uh, ever not just this election cycle, had some detailed plans like this to give reparations to, to, to the black community for the war on drugs. Did Obama, did Clinton, since they get the bulk of the black vote, did they, what did they add offer you as reparations rooted in legalizing marijuana? Let me, let me continue. 
allocate funds for bilingual and multiracial outreach to affected communities, including immigrant communities, to diversify economic development. We will ensure. Now, I can hear some people, well, well, I don't want it because they're going to allow Hispanics to get it too. I mean, how, how, oh, retarded in your thinking do you have to be to say I don't want something because somebody else going to have going to have access to it as well even though they was impacted by the same thing you know what I'm saying but it's actually people who think like that I'm not being facetious it's people I come across on social media who think like that oh no don't give me free health care well, I ain't going to say free because it's paid for by taxes with, with m- millionaires paying the most but I don't want free Medicare for all because other people and not just black people going to be able to go to the doctor. Or I don't want college for all and my student debt paid off because other people and not just black people going to get to go to college too and get their debt paid off. You, You see what I'm saying? There are people who have, I don't know, I don't know. They don't seem to be thinking logically. But let let me continue. We will ensure these marijuana farmers are paid a fair price for their products with tools like supply management and reserves and transition toward a parity system to guarantee marijuana farmers a living wage. And we will establish a national system to certify organic Marijuana, okay, because I can hear, um, what's that guy named Wesley Mohammed who put out this lecture talking about they trying to legalize weed because they're going to put chemicals in it to make black people turn gay, to make black men turn gay. You know, really, man, I actually did a video breaking that absurd video he put out. Damn. Okay, so... If we growing it ourselves in our own communities, we know what's in it then, right? More reason for you to get on board with the Sanders campaign. But uh, let me see. Because, you know, again, organic cannabis to give consumers the information they need to make an informed decision. Create, talking about more money, create $10 billion targeted economic and community development fund to provide grants to communities hit hardest by the war on drugs. We will also ensure that every community in the country has the resources they need to address our opioid condition uh, addiction crisis and prevent the abuse of other hard drugs. And we will work with states to fund and pursue innovative overdose prevention initiatives. I can hear them now. I don't want none of this. You know why? Because they're going to do something to stop them white people from overdosing on, 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 on heroin. And I want them to keep doing it. Well, again, I'm not making jokes. These I'm repeating arguments I have heard, arguments I have read online. All right? So, I mean... It goes on. There's a couple more bullet points, but I'm going to leave it there because I'm actually have gone over. But I would consider these to be reparations programs. And I, I see Jenna, who's been hanging on the line since or, or listening to the program since the start, 
And, you know, I happen to look at the board. I apologize if you unmuted yourself earlier, Jenna, of of um, Real Life, the radio show, one of the hosts, uh, him and Brother Roz. But um, I see you on the board. What do you think about what I've shared with the audience tonight? Hey, great, Scott. How are you tonight? <clears throat> Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Jen. I'm I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. Oh man, I I've enjoyed it. I've kind of been on a hiatus, been getting emails about us not being on, but it's it's tiring. My question to you though was, with the election cycle coming up, um, we've had that talk about reparations and not voting and all of that on our uh, station as well. But with all of the uh, rumors of war that's going on, and I'm not sure if, like you said, Biden, I think that's part of the reason why they want Biden to run as well, is because it's not only is there not a lot of black people that, I mean, I don't think that there's a lot of black people with all of the information that you done shout out, and I say you specifically because a lot of this stuff revolves back around to uh, certain posts and uh, certain broadcasts that you made over the years about Biden that people seem to uh, come back to whether they know it comes from you or not. So there's people that's questioning uh, Biden the same way that they was questioning Hillary the second go around. And I don't think that there's uh, the people who make these decisions believe that Biden could beat Trump either. So with all of the wars and stuff that's going on, I mean, the wars that's being talked about that may be going on, with all of those things going on right now in the uh, steam, for lack of a better term, the steam that Bernie is picking up, do you think that will help Trump to stay in because we might be in a conflict when that time comes about? I just wanted to ask you that. No, I actually think it will hurt him. Because one of the reasons that that millions of America Americans, or I should say U.S. citizens specifically, that voted in 2016 didn't vote for her because she's a warmonger, as Tulsi Gabbard called her, the queen of warmongers. And Trump ran on an anti-war platform. And he was saying how much the wars were. He wasn't doing it for moral reasons. He wasn't stating moral reasons like it's wrong for us to be spreading white supremacy around the world violently or, as they say, spreading democracy. But he was like, hey, man, this is costing us trillions and trillions of dollars in in these other nations that's benefiting ain't paying their fair share. So I'm going to get us out of the Middle East and out these wars. But, you know, so he ran on that. So if something was to pop off, I don't think that that, you know, that will actually work against him because he wouldn't be able to run on that the second time around. Hope that answers your question, Jenna. Uh, Yes, it did, but I I got a a follow-up, if if I may. Because, uh, like you stated, he ran on uh, stopping it at first, but then once he got in, you know, he was making the mentions of him... uh, of him doing anything, the people was still going to follow him and even stronger if anything may have happened. And now with his uh, change of direction, 
it's people that still voting for him, not because they have any reason, but just because he's Trump. Right. And some of them may want to see themselves right. in some of the so, things that he does. So I'm going to put it to you like how Bernie Sanders explained it in the video um, or in his interview with the New York Times. Um, but he said that he said that some of these people, and they didn't publish this video, they edited that video that everybody was criticizing him over and what have you. But anyway, I got a hold of um, actually um, this website I've been reading from Common Dreams, uh, got a hold of the transcript. And what he said is, is that the, a lot of these people, Trump supporters are diehard racists diehard misogynist. He said in traveling across the country and going into some of these areas that you would think that you was back in the 19th century before the women got the right to vote. Just backwards. You know? But he said he does think that he can peel off three, five, maybe eight percent of those who voted for Trump to vote for him. Now you gotta also remember though Trump only got in because it was Hillary Clinton, plus the DNC got busted for rigging it against Sanders, and many of those Sanders supporters during the primary process, like me, like yours truly, voted for Jill Stein. But they want to blame it on the Russians, of course, but they don't want to take responsibility. Hey, you just you just admitted in a fraud lawsuit that you said you have a right to pick whatever nominee you wanted to. You ain't even deny that the scale. Well, you couldn't deny it because of, you want to say again, Russia hacked the DNC emails and it's show, showing that Debbie Wasserman Schultz was rigging it for Hillary Clinton. That's why she had to resign, replaced by Donna Brazile. Donna Brazile comes in and says it was rigged. Everybody, that's why Tulsi Gabbard quit the DNC in 2016 and, and came out in support of Sanders because they all saw it was being rigged. A lot of people did, did, may, uh, may have voted for Jill Stein or cast a protest vote for Donald Trump because they thought he was going to be an anti-establishment candidate based off of, you know, they didn't care. It was like, let's say, and I'm calling Donald Trump a monkey, but let's throw a monkey wrench into the system. You know what I'm saying? They'd rather throw a monkey wrench into the system than vote for Hillary Clinton. All them people was die, not diehard racist. I mean, how can you, I mean, they call a lot of them Obama to Trump supporters, meaning they voted for Trump, Obama first and then voted for Trump. So I, I think that people, and it's possibly the, the media, is overhyping how strong his base is and why he specifically won. Remember, she still got 3 million votes for him by way of winning California, which is the largest state. And But she just ter did a terrible job on the elector electoral college map and, and lost big there. Uh, okay, but I, I don't think that these people, I mean, I, I just don't think that they are that strong of a population. Or that, you know, that's how Trump got into office is 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 because of all these races voting for him. I, I don't think that's there's too many other variables we had to add into the equation. Am I, did I make any sense to you in my analysis there? 
Yes, yes. It, it was just a question. I want to know your thoughts on that part. Okay. I'll sit back and continue to listen. Thank you. Okay. Well, before you go, before we close it out, then let me just ask you a question, if I may, Jenna. What What do you think about this Prisoner Bill of Rights I've been talking about for the second straight program now? Have you had a chance to check it out or, you know, you trust what I've read to you and shared with you that I ain't making it up? I mean, what are your thoughts? Have you well, ever heard you, of I, anything or seen of anything in 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 relation to prisons and jails? No, I have not. And I uh, sorry to say that I haven't uh, caught the program. I've been kind of preoccupied with with my my own life. So, and that's why we ain't been on air. But when you tell me something, I tend to take it to heart and uh, go check it out for myself, as always. But you're most of the time you're right and you know if i think that there's something else you can work on the same way you do with me i'll let you know so but i ain't never heard of no other president that even cared because some people will say it's uh it could be just something pandering to black folks and you know they don't ever take into consideration all of the other people that's in prison that's uh, been wrongly accused of just being held there because they're uh, broke and can't afford lawyers or what have you. Right. But, you know, it's a, uh, when we're talking about politics, especially when we're not politicians ourselves, we, we have to realize that there's not many selfless people to think about these things in a selfless way. It's, it's only they're thinking about themselves and possibly somebody that they know that may or may not even deserve to be there and what can be done for them. And I always kind of take that standpoint and try to uh, get the context on on the situation at hand. But when you're talking about Bernie Sanders putting a, a coalition together to make sure that, because that, I know that he's not going to get everybody out, but to just have something in place to kind of uh, filter out the people that's being wrong. That's, that's a start that we haven't had since the inception of the United States. So it's kind of, it, it'll be kind of like uh, people talking to you about some type of revisionist history about what they would do when they're not really uh, engaged or care to do the work that, uh, that would make these changes happen. So he's putting something in place. Like I said, I'm going to go back and I'm going to check that out. But he's putting something in place from what you're saying that has never been done. And if he doesn't get in, I doubt that it ever will. I agree. I agree. All right, Jenna, when will y'all be back on air with uh, Real Life, the radio show? Well, we're going to be on we're gonna be on Tuesday, Tuesday at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, okay. I don't have the number in front of me, but for some odd reason, our number had changed. So I'll be uh, posting that up here soon but we'll be back on Tuesday. All right. Oh, well, Thank I'll you definitely try for to that too, Scott. try to be tuned in. All right, man. Peace to you. Peace and blessings to you and your family. Uh peace and blessings to the listening audience. Uh you've been listening to another episode of New Abolitionist Radio and I want to reiterate once again, we have a a very very rare opportunity to make some concrete transformational changes to the prison system. And that number one thing is eliminating prison slavery. 
That means giving them the rights to vote back. That means counting them in the communities during the, the that they lived in when they were arrested or or where they lived. Um, when you do the census count, all right, and, and paying them and making sure they have safe working conditions, just you know, treating them like human beings. I, I, that's really what it boils down to: treating humans like humans instead of characterizing everybody as being the worst of the worst, you know, Darth Vader or or Charles Manson type. Everybody in prison ain't like that. So, and a lot of them, I say, shouldn't even be there. And why I support Sanders giving reparations for those who've been arrested or ever convicted on marijuana offenses. With that said, um, we'll, we'll be back next week um, at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday night. Uh, perhaps Max or Tag will be joining me then. Peace and blessings to all y'all. Be safe out there.